Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. If you believe in Jesus, you are a saint. The idea that a saint is some extraordinarily holy person, someone who stands above other Christians because of their righteousness or spiritual uh, superiority, that's not a biblical idea. That's a false view of a saint. All of the believers are addressed as saints. The word saint simply means one who is set apart. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, in a message titled, Grace and Peace. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Okay, we're going to actually jump into the text of Ephesians. We have done a couple of messages related to the study, of course, but yet today we're going to officially jump into the text, looking together today at the first two verses. So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let me read them to you. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the introduction to the epistle, obviously. It's uh, the greeting that Paul gives to the people there in Ephesus. It's a very similar a greeting to what we find throughout the other epistles here in the New Testament. And in, in these couple of verses, you know, the temptation is to just read over them and move on. And uh, yet, you know, actually, if we stop to ponder a bit, we're going to find that there's, there's more here in these first few verses than maybe initially meets the eye. There's, there's something in here for us uh, today. I believe there's a, a specific word the Lord has for us today. So we're just going to look at these couple of verses here and beginning with the author himself, beginning with Paul as he introduces himself. Now, a mistake that pastors sometimes make, and I've made this mistake in the past, is to assume that the listeners uh, know everything we're talking about or everyone that we're referring to. Uh, we mentioned these names, and, you know, so the assumption is, well, of course, everybody knows who we're talking about. But, you know, I've learned over the years that that's not necessarily the case. Uh, so when we come to Paul, it's important to pause for a few minutes and take a look at who this person Paul is. And it's especially important today because who he is and what his background was is really going to connect with the overall message that the Lord has for us today. Uh, but just to give you a quick example, kind of a humorous one of how people don't always know, you know who we're referring to. I met, I met a guy years ago, just right out here one morning, and uh, he happened to be a pastor who was visiting from another state, 
But he was telling me that he originally came to faith here and he had come to church here and, you know, some years ago. And he told me about a funny experience. He said, you know, when I first came here and he was a new Christian, didn't really have any background in the Bible. He said, you know, when I first came here, um, must have been in a study through Genesis or something. He said, you know, Pastor Chuck was always talking about Abraham. And it just seemed like every time I came, Abraham was being mentioned. And he said, you know, I just thought, you know, why, why do they talk about Abraham Lincoln so much down at that church? <laughs> he was dead serious. You know, for him, he didn't have a, uh, you know, connection with a biblical Abraham or an understanding. The only Abraham he was familiar with was Abraham Lincoln. And so uh, those kinds of things can happen. And I, I think, you know, so often... And I think even, you know, outside of the church, more out in the culture, you know, we quote uh, Paul so frequently because he wrote so much of the New Testament. And, and sometimes I even wonder myself when we're saying, well, Paul said this, you know, people probably are wondering, well, you know, who is this Paul guy that they're talking about all of the time? It, what are they, is this Paul McCartney? I mean, you know, <laughs> how, many, how many Pauls would people normally be familiar with? Well, this is Paul, the apostle, who was formerly Saul of Tarsus. And that's where we need to start today. So let's consider for just a moment the background of this man who wrote this epistle. He tells us about himself in various places throughout his writings. Uh, Luke tell us, tells us about Paul in his history of the early church, the, the book of Acts. In the 22nd chapter of the book of Acts in the third verse. Uh, Paul is, he's speaking to this large crowd of people. It's actually a, a lynch mob. They're, they're trying to kill him. He's rescued by the Romans. He's concerned that there's a misunderstanding. They're Jews, he's a Jew. So this is what he says. Gives us a little background as to who he was. He said to them, he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a very famous rabbinical instructor. He says, taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God. So these are some of the things that we learn about this man. He was a Jew, obviously. He was born in Cilicia, which was one of the great cities in the empire, but he was brought up there in Jerusalem. To the Philippians... Sometime later, he wrote of his past, and he said this. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. That, of course, was commanded in the scriptures. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, he says, he was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. So, so here's a man who was a Pharisee. If you've read through the Gospels, you will remember that the Pharisees were the, were the most fierce opponents of Jesus. And so here's a man who says in his past, he was part of that group of people. He was a Pharisee, and he describes his zeal. He persecuted the church, he said. In Acts 26, verses 9 through 11, Paul is later speaking to King Agrippa, and he gives us a little more insight into what he said to the Philippians. He said, I indeed myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints I shut up in prison. 
having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. This is the background of this guy, Paul, who is now about to write a letter concerning the grace of God. And of course, he could write it with authority because he was a man who experienced it. He goes on in his conversation with Agrippa or his defense before Agrippa to tell what happened to him. So he said this, while thus occupied on on my way to uh, Damascus, in other words, he said, I was journeying there with authority and commission from the chief priest to apprehend those there. He says, but at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. Rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness. So this is the history that Paul rehearses concerning himself before King Agrippa. He then would later write to Timothy these words, sort of expounding upon that. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violently arrogant man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. For this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who were going to believe on him for everlasting life. This man is the author of half of the New Testament. So, you know, it kind of gives us a little bit of a different perspective, doesn't it? When we realize the background of Paul. And as I said, Paul is the apostle of grace. He's the one who expounds the grace of God And he could do it because he was a recipient of this this magnificent grace of God. It transformed his life. It changed him radically. So that's the background on this man who is the human author of the letter Paul. And then he says, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So he's an apostle. He's an apostle by God's will. God had appointed him to this. Now, just for just quick definition in regard to apostle. uh, Sometimes people ask the question, well, what's the difference between a disciple and an apostle? The Bible, of course, speaks of the disciples of Jesus. And and these men who would, would come to be known as apostles were also referred to as disciples. Well, a disciple is anyone who follows Jesus. The word implies a a learner is actually the the root word, but but a follower. A disciple is a follower of Christ. But then an apostle is a little bit different. Every apostle is a disciple, but not every disciple is an apostle. So what's the difference? Well, the apostles were 
those that were hand-selected by the Lord and sent out by him as his fully authorized representatives. They were, they were sort of like what an ambassador is. An ambassador goes into a country and there they, they represent their nation uh, within another nation as, as the fully authorized representative of the nation. That's, that's kind of what the apostles were. We read in Mark chapter 3, verse 13, concerning the, the selection of the apostles, the original 12. We read there, And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. So that was the idea. They came to him, he trained them up, and he sent them out. So Paul was one of them. He wasn't one of the original 12, but he was one, as he would say in another one of his letters, he was one who was born out of due time. He was an apostle, but he was appointed later after Christ had ascended. And so he's writing as an apostle, and the letter is addressed to the saints, the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, the, the very uh, name of the city here, Ephesus, is not in all of the ancient manuscripts. And so some commentators then speculate that the reason that it's not, you don't find it in all the manuscripts is because it was more of a general letter rather than a letter specifically to a church. Now, all of the letters to the churches were to be shared amongst one another, but this, this letter does seem to be, in a sense, a bit more of a general letter. There's not any real re exact references to Ephesus or the things in Ephesus, like maybe Corinth or Galatia or some of these other places. You find that in the letter, Paul references the 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 city and the, the church and, and so forth. He doesn't do that here in Ephesians. So, but that's sort of, regardless of, of whether it should be there or not, obviously the epistle is written to the saints everywhere. It was not just intended for those local people there at that time. This, of course, is God's word and it's written to us today in the place that we're at. It's written to the saints who are the faithful ones in Christ Jesus. It's written to the saints. It's written to you and to me. You might say, well, wait a second. I, I'm not a saint. You know, I, I believe in Jesus, but I'm, I'm, you know, wouldn't call me a saint. Yes, you are a saint. If you believe in Jesus, you are a saint. The idea that a saint is some extraordinarily holy person, someone who stands uh, above other Christians because of their, their righteousness or spiritual uh, superiority, that's not a biblical idea. That's a false view of a saint. All of the believers are addressed as saints. The word saint simply means one who is set apart. And so we who believe in Jesus have been set apart by God. We've been called to him and we've been made his property, his possession. So that's what a saint is, a holy one. Again, the word holy means separate. So we've been separated to God. That's who the letter is to, to the saints and faithful in Christ. And 
they're one and the same. The saints are faithful. And then these words, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Paul begins every one of his letters with this same type of a greeting, grace and peace to you. In uh, a couple of them, he adds mercy. But in every one of them, grace and peace to you, and always from God the Father, always from the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's worded a little bit differently, but that's the, the point that he's making. But in every one of his epistles, you find this there. Now, you find it in other places in the New Testament letters as well. Paul didn't write all of the letters in the New Testament. There were other authors. Of course, there was Peter, there was John, there was James. And you find it in their writings as well. But, but Paul always opens his letters with grace and peace. Now, some would say that he does so because this was in keeping with the way that you wrote letters in those days. This is just part of the way it was done. You always included in that greeting the grace and the peace. Grace was the typical Greek greeting. The Greek word is charis. We translate it grace. And the Greeks would, would greet one another with charis. And then the Jews, their typical greeting was, and still is today, shalom, which is peace. And so there are those who would say that, you know, well, this is just, you know, in keeping with the way you would write a letter at the time. And I do think that that is true, but I don't think that really tells us enough about what's going on here. Because I want you to notice something. The grace and the peace is not from Paul. He's not saying grace and peace to you from me. He's saying grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, this is more than just the typical greeting. This is something beyond that. This is a greeting from God himself. All of these letters open with this kind of a greeting. It's, in a sense, to me, it's the New Testament equivalent of the Old Testament blessing that, the, that was pronounced by the priest. Remember, God said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is the way you're to speak to the children of Israel. You're to bless them. This is how you're to put my name on them. This is what you're to say. The Lord bless you and keep you. And that was the Old Testament pronouncement of blessing. When we come to the New Testament, this is the same thing. The apostles are the equivalent for the New Testament of what the prophets were to the Old Testament. They were the spokespersons for God. And so here, Paul is speaking to them. The very onset of the letter, he's speaking to them on behalf of God, and he's pronouncing a blessing upon them. It's the blessing of grace and peace. And that's what I want to emphasize to us today. And that's what I want to emphasize as we really now are, are launching into the, the contents of the epistle. It all starts with the grace of God and the peace of God. And as I pointed out in a previous study, so much of this letter focuses on this grace that we're initially greeted with. 
as we go into this first chapter and through the second chapter and all the way through the third chapter, it's just grace upon grace upon grace. God's just pouring out his grace upon us because the reality is unless I'm really grounded in the grace of God, unless I, I, I really get rooted in that, I'm never going to be able to become all that I potentially can be. The foundation of it is the grace of God. And everything I do as a Christian, it needs to be done from that foundation, from that base. And so that's why there's such an emphasis on it. That's why the focus is there. And that's why these are the first words of God to us in the epistle They are words of grace and peace. The two things we need the most. We need these two things. We need God's grace. What is God's grace? Well, we will define this over and over again as we go on. But again, let's remember God's grace is God's favor, God's blessing. But here's the important part. It's unearned. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. Grace is something you don't work for. It's something you don't deserve. It's something that you can't earn. It's just there because of who God is. That's the thing that we've got to know. Because our default mode is always back to performance. It's always back to works. Even those of us who know grace, even those of us who teach grace, there's just something in our, our constitution as people that we can't help for the most part uh, but falling back on works and performance as the basis of expectation of God's favor or blessing on our lives. But that's not the way it works. And we've got to We've got to begin to understand this. So we need God's grace and we need God's peace. We need to know that there's peace between us. We need to know that we're not at war with God and that he's not waging war against us. Think of the many times, if you've read through your Bible, if you've read through the Old Testament, many times when the Lord appears to somebody or an angel appears to somebody Immediately, there's obviously fear struck in that person, terror. And what what does the Lord always say? He always says, peace, peace to you. You see, God wants us to know that there's peace between us and him. Those of us who are his people, there's peace. And so this is the first word of God. That's the way I want you to understand it today. This is God's first word to us. This is the very first thing he says. And now let's join Pastor Brian as he shares about this month's resource from Back to Basics. Hi, I want to tell you about a book that I think is going to be revolutionary for many, many men and and perhaps for some women too. Most of you know that we have a massive pornography problem in the United States. It's not limited to the United States. It's a worldwide problem. And my friend Ray Ortland has written a book 
that I think is going to help so many people in dealing with the subject of pornography. The book is called The Death of Porn, and the subtitle is Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility. I had the privilege of reading the book before it was published, and I was able to write a little recommendation in it. And it is the best book I've ever read on the topic because it comes at it from the angle of our identity in Christ and who we are. And because of who we are, we don't need these kinds of things that we often gravitate toward and end up in bondage to. So my recommendation for this month is The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity, Building a World of Nobility by Ray Ortlund. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity, Building a World of Nobility by Ray Ortland. You can order the book The Death of Porn by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book The Death of Porn by Ray Ortland. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.